Blog Talk Radio. There's something outside. What is that? This is Julie Wrench with another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants, Talking Old Timers with Thomas. Thomas being Thomas Steenberg, the one and only Thomas Steenberg. <laughs> My buddy from up north. Thomas, how you doing? Not getting any younger, Julie. Not getting any younger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. So what's new in, in Canada? Anything going on up there, Thomas, that uh, you've heard about lately? Or? Tell you the honest truth, I'm very surprised at how slow things have been this winter. There hasn't really been much activity Sasquatch-wise reported at all, at least not to my ears. I have heard talked mm. to a number of people who are telling me about things that happened 15, 10 years ago, but uh, other than that, no, there hasn't been really all that much. Hmm, interesting. Um, of course, I know there hasn't been, been a lot of actual visual sightings going on here at the UR either this last winter. Um, of course, there's less people out in the winter. Um, I don't know how it is up there. I'm sure it's probably colder there than it is here, of course, but it seems that um, in, in these parts, the majority of the sightings happen beginning in February, March, April, and uh, seems to be that pattern. But uh, yeah, maybe it's just slowing down. Did you have a a very cold winter, or was it about normal? While there in January, we had a cold snap that was like everywhere else in Canada, where it was minus 30 for a couple of weeks. But uh, most of all, what we're getting is downpours of rain, continuous non-stop rain for like three, four days. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not raining today, and that's the first time in three days that's been raining. And a lot of our forest service roads are being cleared because there's slides all over the place. Both roads on both sides of Harrison Lake were closed for a while because part of the mountains came down and took out the roads. And oh. uh, you've got to be careful this time of year, yeah. Yeah, I um, I say so. They, I, I think I saw something about that on the news. Um, but I know that there's some there's some uh, roads out there. I know out in California where these rock slides and and the mud slides come down and 
you know, people have actually been crushed to death in their cars, so it's, it's not a joke out there. Oh, yeah, there, there's, a ski, there's a ski resort up uh, Harrison off Hemlock Valley Road. It used to be called the Hemlock Valley Ski Resort. It's now been renamed the last couple of years the Sasquatch Resort. There was over 100 people trapped up there by, uh, when, the, when the landslide came down on the road. They were helicoptering people out and everything else. Wow. Mm. Well, yeah, there's just not much, a whole lot going on. Um, I think that's about to change, though. And the weather's starting to break here. We're going to start getting back into the 60s. We've we've had a couple cold snaps here in North Carolina, which is, you know, we're usually in the 50s, 60s um, throughout the winter time. But, man, we've been getting down into the low 20s at night for several nights in a row. And, you know, in the 30s during the day, it actually snowed here last week. Had some, you know, in some parts of North Carolina, they had up to six inches of snow. So it's been, uh, I'm glad that spring's getting ready to come around that corner, I'm telling you. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> We're oh, planning yeah. to go out. I'm looking forward so, uh, to getting out there in the, the wilds. So now, Thomas, you know, they've been talking a lot about that coronavirus um, in the news, and uh seems like it's, I, I can't understand why everybody's panicking about this thing, but uh, there's not even that, there's like 59 cases of it in the United States so far. I'm not sure what you guys have up there, but. We have we have six cases in British Columbia. They all been caught and taken care okay, of. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, the simple fact is that uh, I personally, as an outsider, as a Canadian, what I think I'm seeing down in your country is the uh, Democrats uh, or Democrat or left leaning trying to cause a panic so they can blame Trump for it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, you know that everything's Trump's fault, right? I mean, California just declared emergency, and I, as far as I know, they they don't even have uh, a single case, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I I know that um, I think it was San Francisco ordered a, a state of emergency, and they don't even have a, a case of it in their their city. So it just makes well, me wonder if the higher ups don't know something we don't, or it's just mass hysteria, you know. Anytime something like this happens, people freak out. But uh, hopefully everything's going to be uh, okay on that end. I just, you know, it, that stuff's pretty wicked from what I hear. Um, yes, yeah, and, you know, and it's San Francisco you, so, uh, have a terrible homeless problem and stuff. So if it does hit, it'll spread like, like you would yeah. believe it. Uh, I guess they got to be prepared for it. Of course, the, the mess in, in California is their own making anyway, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think you got that right. Well, you know, I was thinking uh, about the situation, not just with the coronavirus, but, you know, other outbreaks. And, and it got me to thinking with the Sasquatch population. And now I'm not saying there's hundreds of thousands of these things out there because I don't believe that to be true, um, but I'm, I'm wondering. I hear reports of of these things kind of being aggressive or you know going rogue, if that is what they call it. Um, 
different aggressive behaviors towards people and you know I, I this makes me wonder if if those creatures and i i know a lot of people still say well they don't exist but for the people who i know who have seen them there's no doubt in their minds that they exist so going on that belief level if these things are out there and they are you know able to get sicknesses that are transferred through animals um you know I'm just, i was just curious your thoughts about uh, you know primates with with different kind of viruses if you think that would cause any type of different behaviors i mean what do you know anything about uh the history of primates and and any illness well, that well, they could have got from humans first of all i haven't heard of any more aggressive Sasquatch stories up here in Canada, or the Pacific Northwest for that matter. If uh, if that's true, I have not heard about it. And if that is true, and Sasquatch is starting to get aggressive towards people, and those stories are true, well then this is not going to be a mystery for much longer. Right. If it's not true, and I suspect it's not, uh, it's just more people making up stories like that for 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, I, I, I would not, uh, a, a primate that's rather human-like, uh, being exposed to diseases they have no defense for, well, look what smallpox and measles did to our First Nations population when they got mm-hmm. first exposed. Devastating. Look what syphilis did to the Caucasian population we caught that from the First Nations people when we first came over here. Look what that did. Remember Jane Goodall during her research in chimpanzees. Suddenly the troop of chimpanzees she was investigating had an outbreak of polio, and they never could figure out how the heck they got polio. Some of her favorite animal, individual animals died from it. Hmm. So it could be devastating. I mean, something uh, it, a disease that... A human disease passed on to something that has no defense or natural defense for it. It could be absolutely devastating, yes. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting um, that she she never could find out how they caught that. I mean, there's, it's they just... Uh, somehow, she was thinking maybe the poachers were doing it or... Oh, or, uh, yeah, that... that. Oh, and she didn't have it, so they didn't get it from her, so... Right. Yeah. Well, I know that, um, you know, to me, thinking that these things are out there living in, the, in our wilds, and I know down here we have several types of poisonous snakes, and I'm, I'm always wondering, these things have surely have gotten bit before. Um, I don't know if it's... I mean, if I just always, I'm like, where's the body, you know? <laughs> I can't ever wrap my mind around why we don't have any fossil um, relics of these creatures, or do we, you know? Um, but I know they're going to have to die at some point, perhaps um, of a snake bite. I just don't know, Thomas. I mean, I just can't wrap my mind around why there's not any uh, bones or, or dead bodies found. Um, 
I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I can't figure it out. Well, my opinion, I don't think the Sasquatch should be too afraid of snake bites. I have the feeling they, a snake is a nice, easy meal for them. <laughs> well, a yeah, I mean, they are a lot bigger than we are, right? So. Yeah, yeah maybe they get bit. Like they, they've evolved in this continent, so they're probably got natural, natural defenses against rattlesnakes or water moccasins or copperheads and things like that. Uh, and uh, well, it probably makes them feel bad for a little while, but not nothing overly, especially an adult. Nothing overly too life-threatening. But, again, that's all hypothesis on our part. The same is true for bears, lions, and everything else. I imagine every now and then one of them gets bit by a snake, probably gets sick for a little while, lays low, and then waits for it to wear off, and it carries on on its way. I imagine it would be rather deadly to a young one. But, uh, yeah. again, all hypothesis, because we just don't know. But something that's used to, well, we don't really have that in British Columbia, that many poisonous snakes other than rattlesnakes. But down in your area and stuff like that, if the Sasquatch exists, and it has to deal with cottonmouths, uh, water moccasins, rattlesnakes, and various other things, too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I imagine uh, through time and stuff, they've probably developed their own... Uh, uh, body defenses against uh, atta- uh, bites. They probably don't feel very good afterwards, but I doubt very much it would kill them. Well, yeah. Well, see, that makes sense because of their environment. Yeah. If, if they've I remember lived watching in the a very, sport very... for well since however long they've been in existence. So, and I know how evolution always um, develops and enables the species to. Um, better survive in their environment, so that would make sense that um, they may have some type of resistance built over the however long they've there's been a, in existence. But, you know, those are the kind of questions that people have yeah, asked me about. You know, what do you think about the? Why aren't they falling over from snake bites? Why aren't they? You know, and there's all kinds of different um, scenarios, and it just boggles people's minds, including mine, as to why we have never found bones or a body. Well, I think the biggest reason we never find bones or a body is nature's disposal system at work. When something dies out there, it's torn apart by scavengers and other animals very quickly. I have yet to find the remains of a bear, and I've been out there for 40 years that hadn't been killed by people. You know, um, I have found deer remains and stuff like that, but never, ever have I ever found a whole skeleton. It's usually a right. few ribs here, a leg or so here. And quite frankly, unless you, for a Sasquatch, unless you came across something that really stood out, like a jawbone or a skull, I doubt you'd even know what you were looking at. Yeah, I mean, if it's different parts of a bone, then... Um... And it You're right, be, you probably oh, wouldn't know. When an animal is dying, and it could be any animal, large animal dying, it, it doesn't know it's dying. It just knows there's something wrong. And so their natural instincts to find some place to lay low, like black bears and grizzly bears do, they, they usually go back to their winter den or, or, or some other den, and they try to lay low and out of sight, half buried, 
uh, probably intending to come out once they feel better, and while they're lying low, they die. So they're half buried anyway. And there's always the possibility, the Sasquatch, since it is a primate, may even uh, bury their dead uh, in, a, in a certain way. I don't think so, but it's always possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just well, probably Well, yeah, I've heard that theory before as well, that, um, yeah. you know, there's, they definitely, many people believe that they, they travel in groups or tribes, if you will, and... Um, that's a possibility, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, hide the body. Because I'm sure these things have got to be intelligent enough to know that humans are dangerous. <laughs> and if you're trying to to avoid contact with humans, perhaps they're smart enough to know that if if we come across the body, then hey, we we know you exist. We're coming to look for you even harder now. So um, they've got to be intelligent to to survive as long as they have, um, according to history. I know that um, there's reports dating back to 1700s. You know, here in the the states when the um, Colonists were first starting to come over here, so I know that they have supposedly been around here that long. Um, so they have to know that we're not a good thing to to be around. No, they're curious. They seem to be curious about us every now and then, and they come and look around, but they retreat for as soon as they realize they've been spotted. <laughs> And uh, that's just what, what what goes on over and over and over again, at least in my opinion. I mean, the sightings happen when they come close to people rather than the other way around, more often than not. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. we've covered before, I've had so many witnesses tell me if they hadn't looked right at it, they would never have known it was there. It was standing that still. And as soon as the mm-hmm. subject realized you spotted it, it walks away. Now, uh, and yeah, Sasquatch. walked away is a, a good way of putting it because uh, nine times out of ten, I hear that they they turn and walk away. Rarely do I hear anything about them. They turned and bolted, you know, like a scared rabbit or anything like that. It's almost like they just turn and fade away back into the the tree line, and uh, they don't seem to have a big fear of us. It just seems like they. They certainly don't trust us. Well, who blames them? I mean, most animals, they kind of realize that human beings usually mean bad news, so they try to avoid us when possible. Yeah. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. So now, have you heard of any, um, you know, I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but there was something I wanted to talk about tonight, and that was uh, touch a little bit on the, the whole DNA slash hair sample um, and what folks can do with those. They think they found something of interest. Now, do you know of any cases around where you're at up there where people have actually um, collected what they believe to be hair samples that are unusual? I mean, do you get a lot of that up there? Are they talking about that kind of thing or 
Not a lot, but it has happened. I've collected hair and sent it off in the past. So is John, the late John Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember I was using a guy named Mexiger, who was a, a DNA specialist in Minnesota for the longest while because he had an interest and uh, he was willing to look at it for me. But the biggest problem with getting DNA analysis done is the extreme, outrageous cost. Uh, right. A little sample you put in the machine to measure it. Uh, why does that cost eight thousand dollars? Come on. Right. <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you got to do? Run the machine from a nuclear plant? What what why? <laughs> right, it's, it's madness. Yeah, yeah, but it's the same with everything. Like, why does a guy in a hospital bed eating that horrible food cost five hundred dollars a night? Hell, most luxury hotels don't cost that much. <laughs> exactly. Always, you would have to to back up their uh, their costs, but I think it's just a matter of gouging, but uh, but uh, all that aside, that's the biggest problem with getting DNA analysis. Another problem is uh, the, um, oh, how should I put this, the stigma attached to the Sasquatch and the scientific community in general. It's like I said to you before, Julie, if you ever get a hair sample and you want to turn it in, for God's sakes, don't mention the word Bigfoot or Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, and go uh, ahead and say it with strange hairs. You tell me what it is. Yeah. And get them interested. Exactly. Heard Bigfoot or Sasquatch, they're going to get their defensive wall put up and say, I'm not touching this. Right, and they still don't take it serious, of course. And um, Now, if I remember right, John Green, there was a... Um, Somebody that back in the sixties uh, was it a person I can't remember Wayne Twitchell I believe was the name a, a guide some kind of game guide um, they sent a hair to a lab I think it was in Los Angeles and I'm wondering it did not show that the hair had animal and human characteristics but it didn't match any samples they had um, of known species. And I know well, that, that was, was back in the 60s. That was just hair analysis. So he's basically getting, because remember, in the 1950s, they didn't even know what DNA was. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that didn't come out until the 80s. DNA didn't yeah, even and speak. I, and yeah, I think it's interesting I mean, that, you know, even back then, people were um, aware enough to know, hey, you know, let's, looking for evidence of these things, um, if they're moving through the forest, they're going to, at some point, have to be um, leaving some type of oh, yeah, I'd behind, like whether it's an actual footprint or hair samples or feces or whatever. I mean, they there's got to be evidence out there that they they are they are in the woods, um, and you know they were looking for it even back then. So that was something that John Green, I know, was very interested in knowing more about. Right, correct. And, uh, well, you know, and, of course, they did everything wrong back then. Like, if they'd pick up hair, they'd be handling it with their fingers and, you know, and just putting it in a plastic zip bag or something like that, whereas they know now, for God's sake, you're going to pick up a hair sample, 
have have rubber gloves, surgical gloves with you that you can buy in any store. Mm-hmm. Hair tweezers, try not to touch the hair at all, even with the gloves on, if you can avoid it. And put it in right. a little paper envelope. Paper, if you that's the best you get. If you don't have those little specialty bottles that you can buy here and there, these little lab bottles and things like that, or petri dishes. But, but if you can't, don't have anything with that little, those little small tiny uh, paper envelopes is a great thing to put it in. And you put then you put the envelope in the plastic bag to send it off. But you try to avoid touching it with your skin at all costs because you've already contaminated it. If you haven't. Right. Exactly. They, and that's a good point to to for people who are out there, you know, wanting to be serious about this. Yeah. It is best to, if you're trying to extract a hair sample from something, say it being a barbed wire fence or a thicket or whatever the case might be, it's always, always a great ideal to wear gloves. <laughs> Try not to breathe on it. Um, and have tweezers. And, yeah, don't store it in plastic. It's best to store it in, in paper, like a paper envelope. Or um, I know that the paper... Coin envelopes are also good to put them in, and uh, then store them in an air airtight container. And you can get some desiccant to put in there. And you know what that is? People aren't familiar with what desiccant is. Like when you open up a bottle of medication, sometimes there's a little silica pack in there. That that is in there to um, absorb moisture. So a lot of people use the desiccant tabs to put in their their envelopes in the tight container. You know, always make sure it's like a Rubbermaid container. Um, I know that it, with the desk that you use, there's a better outcome with your uh, hair sample being submitted than without it. So now you can get that stuff, that desiccant. Like Amazon, you can buy a bag full of that stuff for like nine, ten bucks, and it comes in little packets. So we always try to keep some of that on hand as well. Um, but yeah, don't don't put it in. Then keep it out of sunlight. For God's sake, don't let it be near heat or out in the sunlight. I mean, the, the problem with hair samples too is rarely are you going to get anything from them after they've been out exposed because we don't know how long they've been there in most cases. Um, being out in the, the conditions, you're already working, you already have things working against you to even get a good sample. Absolutely. And the DNA analysis is getting more advanced all the time. I mean, for the longest time, they used to tell us you had to get hair that still had the root attached because that's where all the DNA was, and that's true. But now you don't need that anymore. Like, look at uh, Robert Sykes and his method. He doesn't even have to mm-hmm. have the root in. Yeah. I remember back in the 90s, Dr. Gerald Lowenstein, he could do analysis uh, on hair, but back then he had to grind up the sample to do it. So the sample was lost. Mm, yeah, true. He had results that said, well, it's kind of qualities that matches human in some ways, and it matches chimpanzee in some ways. So we either got a man here with very odd problems, or we got a chimpanzee on the loose with very odd problems, or we've got something new that's rather similar to both. 
But people keep right. forgetting that no matter what you turn in, even if it did come from the Sasquatch, they're never going to be able to tell you that because they have no Sasquatch to compare it to. <laughs> Thank you, because that's the thing that drives me mad. Um, <laughs> the best with some of the history that's happened over the last phone. few years with uh, certain doctors saying, oh, yeah, these, these are definitely um, Sasquatch hairs. Well, no, no, they're not, because we don't know. We don't have a scientifically verified sample of a Sasquatch to say this is what that DNA came from. So until we have that, it's no. You shouldn't come out and say, "Yeah, this is this is a Bigfoot hair hair right here," because the the DNA test said so. Well, no. It didn't say that. It either said unknown primate or unknown primate human mixture, unknown whatever. It just drives me mad when I hear people say, oh, yeah, we, you know, that's a Bigfoot hair right there, and we know that for a fact. It's no. the same with blood. The same with blood. Um, and there's no DNA from a Sasquatch, known Sasquatch, to compare it to. So the best they can give you is it's, Probably higher primate, and we don't know what the hell it is. Keep right, and and I know that there's uh, some tests that have been done, some DNA testing that's been done um, from from hair samples taken across the country, and now the DNA samples that they that are unknown, quote unquote unknown. Now some of those unknowns match the other unknowns. So you mm-hmm. do have something going on there. I mean, you, there's definitely a pattern going on with some of these unknowns that match each other, which is more interesting, you know, as we go along. But still, until we have a scientifically verified sample, it's and it's so hard to prove that these things exist because I don't think there's a, a scientific lab or journal or anywhere that's going to accept a picture of one as proof that they exist. I just don't see that happening. No, near do I. As a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Gerald Longstein I was telling you about in his sample and stuff like that, I was good friends with the late Grover Krantz. I kind of kept that from Rene a lot, but it was true. I was friends with Grover I was friends with Grover Kratz, and I remember having a discussion with him at the table uh, talking about Lowenstein's results, and he was very excited about the fact that, no, it's, we can't say it's a Sasquatch, but we do have primate that, that's kind of similar to chimpanzee and human. I said, wait a minute, Grover. If I went and, let's say, got a few hairs off a, a dark brunette woman, and then I went to the zoo and got a few hairs from a chimpanzee, and I mixed them together and handed in the dough and see would he get that? And there was a sort of like a 10-second pause, and then he looked at me and said, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we both had a laugh and said, yeah, it, it, I guess it's even uh, the way it is. It's even possible to get a fake result from DNA if you know what you're doing. Yeah, very true. Up, up, then they get a weird result. 
And like Lowenstein said, he said at the time, it's, it, it, it reacts positively with chimpanzee, but not completely, and reacts positively with human. So his thoughts, well, we got a person here with odd problems, or chimpanzee with odd problems, or something new that's rather similar to both. And of course, that Sasquatch pops into mind because it's so similar to us, right? But then I, right. I said that over, and <laughs> he just got a big smile and said, ah. <laughs> oh my! I can hear I can hear him say that. Um, so yeah, oh, really? I mean, I, where <laughs> all of the stuff that people you know I know they're striving so hard. There's several groups striving so hard to to uh, send decent samples to. Laboratories that are, um, you know, legit, and they still are frustrated because they don't always um, preserve the hair sample that's sent to them properly. And sometimes now they they'll lose that sample, or they'll it'll get contaminated or whatever the situation is. So, I mean, there's so much going against that hair sample to begin with before it even gets to being uh, tested. And, you know, like I said, they're not going to accept any video or any pictures of these creatures as proof, but they will of other animals. The reason being is because they know that people try to hoax this enigma by wearing suits or, you know, different things that they they try to hoax uh, on video or pictures. And I had somebody ask me, well, well, why can they take a picture of, like, a certain fish in the ocean and go, yeah, well, you've got a picture here and it exists. And I'm like, well... You don't have people running around the ocean trying to get in a fish costume hoaxing that they exist. So, you know, that's the problem we have with this uh, Bigfoot thing is there's people trying to hoax constantly. And they've made a um, a ridicule out of it for so long in so many different ways that it's, you know, frustrating for people who are serious investigators out there. Yes, and the stigma that comes in, the I mean, one of the biggest things uh, mainstream scientists have is their reputations, and they don't want to be labeled mm-hmm. as crackpot. And it's yeah. Sasquatch's fault because inmates running the asylum have been basically getting all the attention and baking stuff. And, you know, a, a, guy, a, a professor who does serious DNA study if he gets burned by one of them once or twice, he's never going to do it again. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's the stigma. Yeah, that's and why there's a lot of uh, madness going on out there. Hair, don't even say the word, Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Just hand them the sample and say, this yeah. was found, what it was. Yeah. Yeah, and there, I mean, there are labs out there that will test your hair samples. Um, you just have yep. to, to kind of shop around on the Internet, and the prices have come down. Um, they're a little bit more, 
you know, sticker shock has, has gone down a little bit, but it's still quite a bit of money. Um, and the, the labs prefer to have five or six hairs to begin with to get a, a good sample. Um, yeah, they really prefer you to send five or six strands yeah. with the follicle attached. Yes, uh, as far as I know, Robert Sykes, all he needs is one hair. It's been advanced. Yeah, he that. would need one hair, but like your your labs that you send stuff to, they usually want five to six samples of it sent. And that's another problem, you know, unless you have somebody that's willing to do the test with just one hair, and there are some, some people out there that will do that that are involved in the Sasquatch community. Um, but your typical uh, DNA test lab, they're looking for for more than one hair to come with that sample um, as far as scientific verification goes on a, on a you know, normal yeah. level. But then you do have, like you said, Dr. Sykes. Now, he, he he's the one that found that there was a... Um, that bear that we thought was extinct, wasn't it, over in the Himalaya? Well, he thought it was. Apparently that was turned out to be a contaminated mistake, as far as I know right now. Oh, okay, so he, that was reversed as well. Okay. You realize a mistake being made. That's what I like about Robert Sykes. He double-checks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to give him credit for that. He's. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought what he Great. A lot of other people got mad because all these samples were turning out to be horse, cow, moose. <laughs> they just didn't want to hear it. They just didn't want to hear it. <laughs> no, no, samples. they didn't. No, and um, yeah, and um, it's like I said, my biggest problem is finding somebody who doesn't charge an arm and a leg because I don't have a lot of money anymore. Right, and, and yeah. And people forget it's, so it's hard like to, yeah, I mean, to find a, a decent sample to begin with with a follicle intact still, I mean, they do. there are tests that you can do on hair that doesn't have the follicle, but then you're getting into big money. Uh, and I think one of the reasons it costs so much is people forget it's not like what you see on those police TV shows. It's not something like they can get the result for you overnight. This is a drawn-out mm -hmm. A procedure that usually takes at least a week and a half to two weeks. So, right. Yeah, and it's time-consuming for them. So, yeah, they definitely want, you know, to be paid for their their time. Um, I think the best thing for people to do is, uh, you know, if they have a hair sample. The first step I would do, um, especially if I had more than one good viable, what I believe to be a good viable sample, I would send it off to Cindy Dosen at the Olympic Project. And I know you know her, Miss Cindy. Yes, I she do. She has lives the, Yeah, yeah, she yeah. she does. She lives in Vancouver. The um, Hamaday Enigma Facebook page, if you want to look up that for our listeners, um, get a hold of Cindy Dosen. She'll take a look at your hair sample and tell you, um, you know, if it's a known species, because I know she's 
been doing this for quite some time. She has, um, you know, a catalog of hairs of unknown species that match other unknown species hairs that people have sent to her across the states as well and Canada so forth. So she is keeping um, good record on the hair samples that have been sent to her. Now, majority of them are going to be known species, you know, deer, rabbit, fox, etc. But um, she does have a collection of some things that just don't match anything that's, that's on file that we know of. And she does it for free. Okay, that's the, the kicker is she'll do this at no cost to you. So, you know, my my biggest thing is at least get it looked at so yeah. you save your money. You know, don't pay five, six hundred dollars or above to send a hair sample off for them to tell you. Well, first of all, I can't get a viable sample from it, or they do a test and it comes back unknown primate or unknown death run. You're still not any better off. So to send that hair off to Cindy, and she'll let you know, you know, the procedure on on how to send that to her. Um, there's a particular way she likes to have the sample sent to her. Um, if you want to contact her, if our listeners like to contact her, you can send an email to her at bcdosen, that's b-c-d-o-s-e-n, at shaw.ca. Um, and she will be happy to send you the information that you need to get the sample sent in to her. You know, she's such a wonderful person to do that on her own time. Um, such a sweetheart. Now, I know personally I've sent some stuff to her, and I believe it was back in 2015 or 2016 um, when I lived in Ohio, I, I found this, some samples of a hair in this um, a barbed wire and a barbed wire fence in an area where these things had been sighted. And to me, it looked unusual, so I did send her some of the samples, and it came back bobcat, which was significant because there had been no documented cases of bobcat being in that particular county since 1850. So that was pretty exciting, you know, and you're more apt to find, (laughs) somebody told me, well, you're more apt to find a Bigfoot here than you would a bobcat in that county. So... Um, she did help me with that, and that was fantastic. You know, the information she sent me back, I was able to, to prove it with the the um, the wildlife, um, whatever they call themselves there in that county, the wildlife protection organizations. I was able to send that information off to them. And they, then I found out three years later someone not far from there caught the first sample on a, on a um their game cam, they actually caught pictures of one on their game cam. So that was pretty exciting. So it doesn't hurt to collect these samples and things that you might find of interest out there, folks, um, because that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do. It's It doesn't hurt to find out what your hair is because you might be able to prove something is back in the area that was supposed to be extinct. And you may prove that it had nothing to do with Sasquatch, and that's part of your job, too. Exactly. I mean, if we're out there spending the time and energy, and I know a lot of people who spend a ton of time and energy out there, you know, 
it's worth it to send a couple hair samples off to Cindy. It's it's definitely worth it. So um, and get a hold of a hold of her if you're interested. And uh, I know most of the stuff she gets is deer, cow, the usual suspects. But you know, once in a while she does get something unusual for that area. Absolutely. I mean, the one sample in uh, Alberta once I sent off the massacre came back big horned sheep, and that was an odd thing to have in this particular area where this sighting took place, but I kind of put two and two together. What the boy saw, what he said he saw, the way it jumped over the fence, and it looked rather odd. It was leaping over the fence. He saw it from the back and had an odd-shaped head, and I said, well, you probably saw the big curved horns for a second or two from right, uh, straight above as it, you were looking on its back as it was jumping over the fence. <laughs> exactly. See, and that's, that's uh, and really cool that <laughs> we're able to do eyewitness and the, the sample of that hair back. So. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are uh, always, always a lot of different ways to collect evidence, if you will, out there in the, in the bush. Yeah, it's always worth looking into because someday, assuming that the Sasquatch does indeed exist, a hunter's going to come across one that died, a hunter's going to shoot one and kill it, or a truck is going to ram one on the Trans-Canada Highway one of these days and it'll be all over the news and we'll start taking DNA samples and then we'll find that this thing actually matches some of these unknown samples that have been collected over the last 20 years. Right. And yeah. that will be, I, I hope that day comes in my lifetime. I really do. There's so many people oh, I know I. need justification for what they saw. Um, they've been ridiculed so much that something like that would just go a long way to helping some of these people come to grips with what they saw. Absolutely. Confirmation of the Sashford existence would be the highlight of my life. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I don't even care if I'm I'm the one that does it. I'll just be happy knowing I was right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and um was right, and Grover was right, Titmus was right, we were all right. <laughs> and all those people said Yeah, we I'm sure to him and just spins in his grave yeah. right now with the, the madness that's out there, the pure unadulterated madness that uh, I think it's gone from bad to worse over the last oh. few years. I've seen the craziest Oh oh are you talking about the image running the time? Oh yeah, it's it's awful. It's up, it's reached epidemic proportions, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, there's people out there that actually have Facebook groups with followers that claim that you know they talk to, they mind speak with the Sasquatch, and they they show up in their their bedrooms in the corners and mind speak, and they bring forth messages from different dimensions and and all this horse shit and. They actually have followers who believe every word of it. Hello. Absolutely. I mean, I I could start uh, a society for the worshiping of bowling balls tomorrow, and I think I have twenty followers within a month. 
So, yeah. Right. So, Darius, I don't know. I, I just... Oh, that's what I think. <laughs> What's that? I said the scariest thought I have is all these weird people are actually allowed to vote. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I tell you, but, the, no, the, the, thank God I know nice some people Julie, who are I very started. serious about this subject who, um, you know, are doing all the right things out there. And those are the unsung heroes because they're not out there, you know, hey, look at me. The ones that are really legit are usually the ones you you don't hear much about. And they, they stand on a low profile. They, they're collecting their samples. They're, you know, doing the things that they, they – they're doing it because they – they want to know what they saw. A lot of it I know people, they have seen these things, and then it becomes an obsession. They want to know what it is they they witnessed. So to them it's not a joke, and to them it's not funny that people are, you know, saying, oh, this Sasquatch will heal your cancer. Just come on over and we'll do this, get in a circle and, and pray to the Sasquatch king. You know, that's not funny to these people. I think what irks me the most, I used to say when I started this that at least we're not as bad as the UFO field, but the Sasquatch field is now in some ways a lot worse. I mean, you have your uh, inmate being run by your asylum, but the worst thing that I hate is people call themselves researchers who are nothing but blatant hoaxers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's right. all kinds of them now, and we all know who we're talking Right. Right. And then they. The majority. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some of them that just, I don't know, traipse through the forest and record themselves yakking and yakking and yakking. And then, you know, oh my God, look at the stick structure. It's definitely made by a Sasquatch. And then, oh, my God, can you feel the vibe? There's some Sasquatch over there, but they're cloaking right now, so we can't see them. That's the kind of stuff that just makes me want to rip my hair out. <laughs> I say, well, I just say, carry on, gang. Let me know when you find something. I know yeah. <laughs> and what I love is when they show a picture of a cloaking Sasquatch, and you're like, well, I don't see anything. Yeah. Well, that's the point. It's cloaking. <laughs> Well, that's, that's, oh, well, we'll, just take a, we'll just take a blurry picture of a stump and say that was it as it dematerialized, you know. All right, and that's what they do. Yeah. And some people believe that, so it's like, oh, my God. Well, but, like I said, you'll get... Yeah. I mean, even the Sasquatch, it, it's come so insane, the Sasquatch is rather boring, so they're now making up new stuff. Dogmen, shapeshifters, skinwalkers... Oh, everything. Even old Indian legends like the Windigo, they're trying to make into something else. I mean, it's a craziness. But yeah. hey, it, it, it's entertainment on Coast to Coast Radio with George Norrie every week. Just listen to oh, it. Oh, yeah. For a that's, that's a big hit. Yeah. Yeah. It's insanity. Hi, so. <laughs> Kitty. Yeah, what? and I mean, people just, um, unless you get into this whole arena, you wouldn't know what's really going on behind the scenes here. And it's, you know, when I first got involved in this stuff, 
I've always had the interest in the Sasquatch um, existence, you know, different cryptids, that kind of thing. You know, kind of like you, grew up with it, saw different movies, read different books, got really interested in it. Um, but as far as really investigating and getting into the the corners and, and, and crevices of all this, that was about six years ago. And I had no idea that there was such madness behind the scenes in this stuff. And it's just, I'm just so glad that there's people like Thomas Steenberg <laughs> out there well, because I'm, it gives you renewed hope. I'm lucky so. because when I started, the real whack jobs were few and far between. Uh, they were there, but they, they didn't, we didn't have to deal with them all the time like we do today. I mean, like I mm -hmm. said, the worst thing that's ever happened to this research is the Internet. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, soapbox, very snake oil salesman out there. And ever since the Blair Witch Project became famous in theaters, people have been using that genre for everything from UFOs to skinwalkers, hunts to ghost investigations to Sasquatch. <laughs> Yeah. They just throw themselves in hear noise, they put the camera in their face, they run scared through the trees. Oh, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's so chasing me, no. I, you know. We found his footage in a tree or something like that. <laughs> Come yeah, on. right, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then they have <laughs> the TV shows that are just, oh, my God. What oh, yeah. people don't understand about the TV shows is that's exactly what it is, is a TV show. I'm not talking about documentaries with, you know, yeah. I'm not there's talking about that because there's been some good documentaries that I know that you've been involved in some of them out there that are informational. Um, but then we have the shows, and they're just looking for ratings, and they will – um, do whatever it takes to entertain and then people get upset about that and I'm like well it's TV it's entertainment you know if you don't like it don't watch it but don't get all mad when the outcome isn't what you think it should be because it's TV the best way to describe them all is Duck Dynasty Hunt Sasquatch <laughs> Duck Dynasty I love it. But, yeah, I mean, geez. But the bottom line is, I, I guess, for this particular show, is what we're trying to say is just for those of you who are out there taking this serious, you know, keep plugging along. Do what you do. Um, do your documentation. Get your audio clips. You know, get your samples. Um, you know, don't give up because everything around you looks crazy in this this community, there are some of us who are still sane out here, and we're rooting for you. <laughs> Absolutely, and stick to the facts and never deviate from the facts. Exactly. Best advice ever. So, Thomas, it looks like we're getting up to the end of the hour here, so uh, we'll go ahead and close the show down for this time, but... Uh, Good show, and uh, you know, let me know if you find anything interesting going on up there, and, and we'll be back again next month with another show. We'll 
dig up a nice topic for, you know, all I was going to tell you too, Thomas, we had um, some really good comments on our last show um, in the Monster X Facebook group where I posted the link to the show. I had one individual say that this is the best podcast. They like it the best because you and I have a good rapport and we bounce off of each other and we have fun while we're doing it. So we do have some fans out there, and we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It is. So, Thomas, thank you for for doing another show with me. And, um, guys, we'll be back again next month. And, you know, keep on doing what you do out there. And someday we'll figure this mystery out. So we meet again. (laughs) Yep, keep it squatchy. Thank you for listening.